Technology appears to have become a synonym for electronic systems. It should not be so. Just because microprocessors are all machines does not mean that all machines, even all important machines, are built around chips and circuits. In fact, in the early 1990s, the economist Edwin Mansfield found that improved thread and stain removers had done more for America's productivity than personal computers. The time is right to think again about technology and to start with some of the simplest forms. In Why Things Bite Back, Technology and the Revenge of Unintended Consequences, I defined technology as the human modification of the natural world. This book is about the changes we have made in ourselves. How everyday things affect how we use our bodies. How we sit, stand, walk, and communicate. And it is about their symbolic side. How they affect our images of each other. They are, literally, our own devices. Though people have been able to do surprisingly well without them, these everyday things are part of a technological treadmill from which it is difficult to step down. I started to consider these themes after participating in an online forum on technology and design sponsored by the Discovery Channel's website in 1996. The other guests were the cognitive psychologist Donald Norman and the civil engineer and historian of technology Henry Petrosky, both of whom had written important and insightful studies of everyday objects. It was the best kind of discussion, and I regret that it is no longer available on the web. One of the things I learned from our agreements and disagreements was that nobody had yet looked at ordinary things as the outcomes of a ceaseless interplay of technology, economics, and values. An engineer can look at the proliferation of tableware in the 19th century, for example, and consider the mechanics of producing and using specialized knives, forks, and spoons. A food chemist can evaluate the appropriateness of glassware shapes for wines and spirits. But science-based analysis does not tell us why men and women of one period were paying for proliferating variety. Some social historians believe that the Victorian upper classes were making daily rituals as complex as possible to intimidate and entrap upstarts. Likewise, paperclips could probably have been made in the 18th century. It was not only new metalworking machinery, but mountains of new paperwork that hastened their development. Technology, often regarded as a prime mover of change, is also a response to long-standing trends. A psychologist can identify many ways to make objects easier to use. Many tools could still be improved by scientific study. But performance is not the only measure of value. Our needs are complex and sometimes paradoxical. One of the most popular fields for awards of U.S. patents is new golf equipment. Yet, the U.S. Golf Association maintains a large, professionally staffed laboratory that rejects many of these innovations, not because they fail to work or are difficult to use, but because they are too effective or too easy to operate. Golfers, like other sports participants, must balance the search for a technological advantage with the prestige that comes from learning a difficult technique. In Why Things Bite Back, I considered how innovation can maintain or undermine the challenge, the artificial difficulty that underlies sports. 
Even the most fervent technology enthusiasts have not yet proposed to turn golf and other sports over to robots whose progress can be observed on monitors at the clubhouse bar. Manual skills have not declined. They have been migrated from work to hobbies and sports. The line between manufactured things and information is also arbitrary. Our knowledge is filtered through objects. A second inspiration for this book came during a question-and-answer session after a lecture I gave in 1997 in the Urania Gesellschaft in Berlin, one of the world's oldest and liveliest adult education centers. One member of the audience, an older man who, to judge from my host's disapproving glances, liked to confront the speakers, challenged me to name the most important invention in history. I thought for a moment and replied, Eyeglasses. So as many people as possible will buy my book. Breaking the tension, but also provoking myself to think more about the body as information system. The questioner, who himself was wearing glasses, joined in the approving response. Perhaps there is such a thing as constructive heckling.